Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Today, we're diving into an essential and often misunderstood topic, healthy aging. We're fortunate to be able to explore this topic with insights from professionals and residents at a new local independent and assisted living facility, the Residence at Littledale, located in the scenic Waterford Valley. It's a space that values wellness, nature, engagement, and community. All things we'll learn are important for aging well. Our first guest is Silvo. He's their recreation therapist who's passionate about the power of activity and the importance of it in our later years. He'll shed light on why staying active and engaged isn't just important, it's a necessity for a fulfilling life. After that, we'll hear from Pamela Toms, a registered dietitian who's gonna break down the key elements of nutrition that can make a huge difference in our longevity and overall well-being. And in the second half of our show, we'll speak with three residents who have their own unique perspectives on aging. They'll give us a glimpse into their daily lives and share their personal advice for making the most of every moment as we get older. So grab a cup of tea and settle in. And let's hear how we can live a healthier and more fulfilling life. Hi, Silva. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Maybe you could share a little bit with our listeners about what you do, where you went to school. Okay. Yeah. My background is in therapeutic recreation. I did a college diploma in recreation therapy at Canada College once I finished high school. And after that, I did two more years and got a Bachelor of Therapeutic Recreation degree at the University of Lethbridge. And then after that, I went on to do a Master of Science in Health Sciences with thesis research that was focused on therapeutic recreation. And currently, I'm practicing in the field. I got certification so that I'd be a CTRS, which means a Certified Therapeutic Recreation Specialist. Excellent. And right now you're working with a very specific audience. Tell me about the people that you work with. Yeah, I work with older adults. And because the residence at Littledale is kind of like a hybrid model of a continuing care home, you get residents who are independent and who are physically and psychologically well. And then you also get residents who are dealing with different types of diseases or disabilities and also neurocognitive disorders like dementia. So it, it's a certain population, older adults, but there's a lot of diversity in that population as well. Mm, and, and that's the challenging part. When you're dealing with such a broad variety of people, how important is the work that you're doing when it comes to keeping people moving, keeping people active? How does that help the aging process for people? I think what I've come to learn through practice and based on my own philosophical views, my training was very oriented toward the medical model. And right now I'm a bit more focused on existential things, you know, finding quality of life and meaning even when you're dealing with loss, you're dealing with disability, changing circumstances. I think that's the type of need that I try to focus on with residents who are here. Mm. Yeah quality of life. It is interesting how what you learn about in school sometimes doesn't transfer until you see it in the real world and you realize what actually is important. I came from a world of high performance and now I look at overall quality of life just like you. I think it's so important that people find wellness throughout their life and you do a variety of different things. Can you give me some examples of some of the different activities you do with people? Yeah, so I try to focus my programs on different health domains. So 
physical, cognitive, emotional, existential, social, and just basic recreation and leisure. So I do exercise programs five days a week and I try to diversify it so that we've got yoga, we have dance and movement, tai chi, fitness groups with weights and therabands and such. And we also have like stretching and massage. We use a massage ball and focusing on flexibility and mobility. Mm. Yeah. And then we have other programs that are focused on sociability and meaningful relationships. So we have social games, social teas, and we have a happy hour where residents dance and listen to music and drink together. Lots of diversity there too. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, that is part of the Newfoundland is uh, being social and and obviously the happy hour is, seems to be a really popular thing there. But when you, let's break those topics down there. So if I look at the first one, you're looking at activity, physical fitness, you know, that physical wellness side of things. Why is that important aspect of aging well? Well, physical health will help to increase your lifespan if you look after your health and recreation and leisure outlook on fitness rather than just doing fitness for its own sake. You, you make it something enjoyable, something novel, something to look forward to. You know, it's not just for physical health, but it's also a meaningful activity, you know. And for them, the residents I work with, it is a social activity as well. Do you find that people trying yoga maybe for the first time in their eighth decade on the planet, are they open to trying new things like this? How, what do they get out of it? How do they, how do they enjoy it? There are lots of different personalities in an assisted living facility like this. So you have residents who have an openness to experience agreeableness, and they're usually willing to try different things. And then you have others who have exercised throughout their life. And, you know, that's their main focus for recreation. And then you have others who maybe didn't prioritize physical activity during their youth or adulthood, but now because of their physical decline or pain or illness that they want to prioritize that so that they don't continue to regress. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I always found that having that health literacy at a young age allows you to appreciate it and maybe be more open to those things. But it's nice when people do open their perspective on something new. And that's another thing that you talk about the social aspects of it. Community is such an important part of health. What are some of the activities that you would do to sort of stimulate people engaging with one another? Yeah, one of the things I do for engaging is social games using conversation cards with questions or something related to reminiscing, like tell me about your school years. What was it like going to school? Or tell me about what it was like traveling or what type of work did you do? Stuff like that. And we'll also have uh, like a tea social conversation menus and I'll have like a topic of discussion and they can pick from that and we kind of go around in a circle and answer the questions that interest us something like you know if you were to describe perfect world what would it look like how important is it to do something versus being perfect because i feel like in the world of wellness and recreation people are constantly striving for that perfect model but it sounds as though you've kind of adapted to 
I always say, wear your cleanest, dirty shirt, do the best with what you got. It, it, how important is it for people to do what they can do versus being perfect? I think in this setting, it's important to have that type of outlook so that the residents don't get discouraged and so that they feel motivated that this is something they can do, that there is no competition and that there isn't like this ideal version that they have to achieve. They only have to do what they can do, you know, and not to necessarily feel that they need to rehabilitate themselves to a certain level that what might be realistic for them is just to maintain what they have right now. Yeah, but yeah. that different so much for each person. Yeah. What's the most rewarding part about your job? My most rewarding part is having very, uh, I would say they're almost like, uh, not, not to say loving relationships, but very caring relationships with residents. It feels almost like a family, especially because the facility is small. And, you know, if you were in a bigger continuing care home, residents might feel a bit lost, but they have a sense of community. And when they talk about it themselves, they feel like it's a family that they belong to. That to me is very meaningful, you know, and I think that it meets a need, especially for residents who have lost loved ones or who might not be able to spend time with their family as much as they can. Yeah. Being the expert in, in, in populations like this, what advice would you have for people that are listening that might not have access to somebody like you, but want to get the most out of vitality or having the best physical abilities as they as they age? I think personally, my advice would be to find something meaningful to you, something that isn't extrinsically motivated, you know, because someone else encourages you to do it, but something that you find intrinsically motivating something that you are passionate about, something that you're interested in. It could be physical activity, but it could be something different, you know, and to view health holistically, that it includes other components other than just physical health, even though that is also very important. It makes perfect sense. It sounds like you're a fantastic ambassador and you're making a really great impact with these people. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm sure that you're going to be back on. I'll be picking your brain in the future now that we're introduced. Thank you very much. That was recreation therapist Silvo Arnez-Niemi. When we come back, we'll chat with Pamela Toms, who's a registered dietitian about healthy eating for longevity. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. We're here with Pamela Toms, who's a registered dietitian at the residence at Littledale. She's talking about healthy eating and longevity. Let's check out her interview with Pamela. Hi, Pamela. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, today we're talking about something I love, which is nutrition. I did a little bit of research on that myself, and you're a registered dietitian. Tell me a little bit about what you do and where you work. Yes, I'm a registered dietitian, and I work at the residence at Littledale. Uh, we've been open for three years now, and I specialize in seniors nutrition. Hmm. I think before we get into some of the things that are really good for seniors, I think Newfoundland and Labrador tend to have some of the highest rates when it comes to some of these conditions that are caused, or at least related to poor diet, things like 
diabetes, rates of cancer, even rates of dementia are sometimes higher and our life expectancy is a little lower. How important is nutrition when it comes to dictating these outcomes later on in life? Yes. So nutrition is very, very important to help reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and others such as dementia. And yes, Newfoundland has the higher rates of these. Uh, starting at an early age, having a healthy diet is very important and all through our lives to have that reduction. Mm-hmm. And it's simple, you know, you don't have to be fancy. You don't have to have a gourmet diet. You just have to have those fruits and vegetables. So what I say is basically try to have three meals a day and have half your meal fruits and vegetables. And they don't have to be the latest and greatest. They don't have to be kale. It can be frozen peas, frozen broccoli, peach from a can if it's not sugar added. So these are the basics, peanut butter, whole grain bread with banana. So you don't have to have a nutrition degree to eat healthy. You just have to stick with the basics. Exactly. And I think that that's one thing we're missing sometimes is that health literacy, which is where somebody with your expertise comes into play. Are there some challenges sometimes when you're dealing with, say, seniors, for example, when it comes to taste profiles or or habits when it comes to nutrition they've had over the course of their life? And now you're like, listen, we can make things a little bit better, but there might be some resistance to that. Do you ever encounter that? Oh, yes. I mean, when we have residents that they're in their mid 80s and, you know, we'll wait we give them asparagus for the first time, they're going, what is this, right? I'm not used to this. Um, But we do have a lot of uh, residents that enjoy it, especially because we cook it so well. But seniors do have a lot of barriers to eating healthy. Oftentimes, if they are living alone, maybe they lost a spouse, maybe they lost a spouse that was the cook. And so suddenly they are cooking for themselves. And it's not very fun to eat alone every day. So the enthusiasm of making and preparing the meals tends to get lower, right? Uh Um, So you get that tea and toast. And I often see that, right? Uh, So we'll see maybe someone has a cup of coffee, maybe a slice of toast for lunch, and then doesn't eat a lot for supper. So we see that happening. Oftentimes we see taste changes with medications. So medications can often cause your mouth to get dry. So things that you used to love don't taste as well anymore. So I used to love that chicken soup and it doesn't taste as well anymore. Um, You know, and we also have mobility issues going out. You know, it takes a lot to go out and, and get to the supermarket, go get those groceries, go home and prepare. So going to the store takes a lot of work, a lot of energy and preparing that meal. So sometimes it's hard to get to the grocery store, may not get those uh, fresh foods as often. Um, And of course, the cost, we all know that the cost of food has risen greatly. So, you know, the cost of getting those healthy foods have been a big impedance for people to eat healthy. Yeah. And I, and I think there are so many barriers to it and food access is challenging, particularly for people that live in rural areas that are senior citizens. But if people are able to find solutions around improving their nutrition, what are some of the things that you can see in people that do make that shift and start to eat a healthier diet? How does it impact their life? Oh, it it impacts greatly. Their mood is lifted. They are more energized. So you could see a better health outcomes. We do see people 
maybe not be able to walk very far or walking a lot further. But we also see the social aspects. So when people come and live in a communal setting like the residents at Littledale or any communal setting, food is more than just the nutrition, it's who you eat with. So we often see uh, a real change in people when they come in because they are they're getting dressed up, they're going to a dining room, they're they're chatting with their friends and that makes a really big difference. So they stay a little bit longer, they eat more and it's a real positive experience. So they have a, a much better quality of life. So there's some people that get the benefit of working with somebody like yourself at the residence Littledale, but for people that may not have access to it or may be caring for their parents, for example, what are some tips that you can give people about getting proper nutrition, either for themselves or for their the people that they're caring for? Well, it has to start with the basics. So start with a good breakfast, get those essentials in. So yogurt, some cereal, some toast, put some peanut butter or cheese. So going back to the basics, it doesn't have to be a fancy cooked meal. I'll go back to the Canada's Food Guide. So you look at a plate, half of it, fruits and vegetables, have a protein. So either milk, yogurt, some beans or some nuts, some meat and have a little bit of grains. So it could be peanut butter sandwich with banana. It could be cheese and crackers with an applesauce, something like that. So keep it basic, but it's so important to have that, especially that protein source. I see a lot of seniors that miss out on that protein and they think, oh, it's it's, uh, it's too much to cook that chicken or hamburger, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can have things on hand, even if you have tuna fish, canned chicken and things like that. Um, And a lot of seniors like yogurt, things like that, cottage cheese. So those are great sources of protein. Others seek help if you're having any issues with chewing or swallowing food. Some seniors, because of different conditions, may avoid foods. So if a family member is avoiding meat, one of their family members can have a talk with their mom and dad saying, you know, why are you not eating that meat anymore? It could be as simple as cutting it up very fine for them to make it easier because they may have dentures that don't fit as well as they used to, or maybe some missing or loose tooth, painful teeth, or maybe having something else going on. And so reaching out also to a health professional, such as a doctor, if that's a concern. Having a friend over to have a meal is important. You know, as I said, sometimes we don't feel like eating very much when we're alone. I certainly don't. So having a friend, even if uh, if you have a conversation on the telephone while you're eating, makes it a special event and and uh, makes it more pleasurable and setting time to have meals with your family if you can yeah. that makes him makes a big difference that's fantastic advice thank you so much i mean you, you've sort of talked about everything from what we should be doing and what the challenges we face are that are very real particularly here in this province so i really appreciate you taking the time and walking us through it today no problem my pleasure that was pamela toms who's a registered dietitian at the residence at littledale When we come back, we'll talk with 89-year-old Frances Cogden about how she stays fit and happy. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. We're here with Frances Cogden, who is 89 years old and still as active as ever. 
She joined me to tell me a little bit about her day and what advice she has for healthy aging. Let's get to the interview. Hi, Francis. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Today, we're talking about healthy aging. Can you tell me a little bit about where you're from and where you are now? Uh, yes, I'm from the Gauls, and I, I am 89 years old. Since I came to Littledale, it's like a whole new world. While I was fairly active before that, but now every day is full. Um, every morning there's a program. I go to yoga every day, five days a week, and it's yoga in a chair. Now, anyone can do it. Some of us do it better than others. But if we all go and we do it to the best of our ability and everyone is doing it perfectly for them, how blessed we were to, to get Silva. And we look forward to going to yoga every morning. And then I go back to my apartment, which is my little house. Now, another nice little thing to remember is when I go into my little house, I'm perfectly private there. There's lots of areas around where I can have company and entertain down in the bistro and the dining room, any place. But when I go to my little pad, that's my little pad. And uh, then I, I, uh, I have my lunch and I make up a little charcuterie plate every day, you know. And then I have that and uh, put on the human rexes, lean back in my chair and have a little nap after that. Uh, that's over, and then I have a half an hour or, or or so before next activity. Well, the next activity then is uh, is down in a multicultural room, and that's painting, which I never did before, uh, working with clay or hooking or, or uh, made an ugly stick. And we did uh, painted birdhouses and all that. Okay, so we finished that up then. And we might have a foot bath after that. Yes, hot rocks and everything. And uh, uh, then you may get out to the garden for a little breath of air. And then you have your supper. And my dear, the meals are second to none. And then uh, in the evening, I never played cards before. And they asked me three or four times, and I said, well, look, you know, I really, uh, I, I can't play. They said, I said, all I know is highest and red, lowest and black. They said, you're perfect. So I, who looks forward to the game and ranges them now? Yeah, yeah me. Well, I guess that's one of the things that comes to mind is, you know, when I think about, you know, healthy living. Did you do yoga five days a week before you came, came here? Is this something that you sort of adopted at a different stage in your life? Well, I went to uh, New World Fitness three times a week, you know, for the... Uh, exercise for swimming and I'd done that all through my life three times a week but not five but when I came in here there was one of the check my boxes five days a week I said for yoga I said I'm in now the only thing they didn't have was the swimming pool but I have a little pool outside my window the duck pool and it is a fountain and everything out there so at 89, could I do much more than look? Uh, even Friday afternoons, we have happy hour. And we dance. Matter of fact, I we dance, and the music is really, really good. And our type of music, my type of music, not yours. But it could be yours. Well, I, th- I think that's one thing that's really important. I, I recently went to Okinawa, to Japan, where, where some of the people are aging the healthiest in the world, and community became such an important part of it. 
It sounds like that's been an important part of your life. How have you been able to maintain community as your life transitions in different stages? Well, first of all, now I attend many of the activities and I try to participate because you have something to look forward to. And if you have choices, you don't have to do. I don't have to do three or four things a day. I do what I want to do. And there's always something to look forward to. And our little bus trips are really fun, too. We go to Betty Harbour in the Ghouls and up to shore and and uh, uh, down around at Torbay and go. And we stop in at the coffee shops or Big Goods or, or wherever, you know, and have a coffee or whatever. What advice would you have to people that are looking at having that meaning? Because when I meet you, you're enthusiastic, you're energetic, you're excited to talk about what's going on. You've worked out throughout your life, you've danced, you shared how you've got a really good bill of health right now. Do you think that people should prioritize that health? Because if they lose it, then they lose an aspect of the quality of life. Oh, you have to keep that in. My doctor tells me that I'm, I'm in good shape. I look at him with, you know, astonishment. But anyway, uh, my reports come back. Uh, you know, that, that I'm pretty good. Yeah, because I do love the goodies. I'd rather ice cream than any any meal you could give me. Yeah, ice cream. A lot of people are like that, I think, and I don't blame you on that one at all. We're winding down here now, but anything you want to leave our listeners with when it comes to our message today? Get up, get at it. Uh, life is worth living. Uh, extend your hand when you can, and you'll be surprised that uh, somebody will extend the hand back. And it can be, when you're living alone at home, well, uh, you know, yes, your children will come and visit and go and da-da-da. But the community living, I think, is uh, wonderful for the extension of life because uh, there's no way you could be down. Everywhere you see a sunny face, a happy face, and everyone is happy and we're all enjoying there's lots of activities and you know you don't get a chance to be down try to think of you know what you really want and then take steps towards that now don't leave it Uh, don't leave it too late till somebody else has to make it for you that's great advice thank you so much for joining me today it was my pleasure Next, let's hear from Ken Howell, a retired geophysicist. Ken has an extraordinary story and passes on his words of wisdom on how to get the most of our golden years. He emphasizes keeping your mind active, staying busy, and forging community and friendships. Let's get to our chat with Ken. Hi, Ken. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Mike. Good to be here. Well, it's really interesting. I know we've had a little bit of chat before we started this interview, but uh, maybe you could share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. A very interesting history here. Well, I was born 1941, and uh, my parents were Welsh and uh, from South Wales. And um, But my father was in the Royal Air Force in World War II, and he was stationed in Stranra, uh, Scotland, on flying boats fighting the U-boat war. And my mother went up to join him, and uh, he, his squadron was promptly uh, moved to Ireland. But she stayed in Stranraer because it, it was close to me being born. So I was born in Stranraer, 
we have absolutely no Scottish connections at all. <laughs> the whole family is Welsh. During the war, my, I think we stayed with relatives and then we, my mother and I ended up in a wooden summer cottage on the, in the Gower Peninsula in South Wales, which is now a national park. And we stayed there two years. So they realized that they were going to be moved around a lot. So they put me in a, a boarding school and that school was one of the king schools in England, founded by Henry VIII in 1541. So I was there about nine year, eight, nine years. And then I got the place in Cardiff University to do geology. And I went down back to Wales. And while I was at Cardiff, I met my ex-wife. <laughs> and we, we had twin boys, um, Gareth and Stephen. Um, oh, I, I forgot to mention during PhD, I moved from Cardiff to Cambridge and did a PhD in geophysics in Spitsbergen, which is uh, north, on the north side of the Barrett Sea, and the north coast is close to 80 degrees north. Uh, I decided Canada was the best option for me, and although I was offered a job with the British Geological Survey, but Canada looked uh, more optimistic. So, and I had a good time. I worked for the Nova Scotia Research Foundation for more than 26 years. And then I got early retirement. And then I set up my own consulting company and did that for eight years. And then I retired. And the rest is history. That's an amazing story. And, you know, it's, it's just interesting when you see people coming from such different backgrounds. And, and now, you know, you're here uh, in St. John's. And one of the things that really stands out to me is that you've been involved in music your whole life and that you have a lot of different things that you are really passionate about when it comes to staying connected to your community. How, how are those activities kind of important in your wellness? Well, I would say the most important thing is mealtimes. I sit with the same people and we've become good friends. And there, there's uh, five of us uh, on, on one table. And uh, we go to some of the same things together, the music sessions, the painting, the poetry, and current affairs. And we play some games, you know, um, and happy hour on Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, the main thing is making friends and being active in all the programs that go on. Um, the chap who runs from Silvo, he does a, a really excellent job. Um, we, I go to exercise class at Monday to Friday every morning because um, I used to play a lot of sport. I played rugby, I, I rode at school and university, and I played later on field hockey, which I played at school as well. Do you think that's an important thing that when you're younger and you build these habits into your lifestyle that they're easier to keep going as you transition to different phases of your life, that you've actually got that sort of health literacy when it comes to it? Yes. I, th I think you're always aware if you've been a sports person that you need to keep it up. And I, that's the thing I've got to work on more here. As I, I walk up and down the corridors when the weather's bad. And I have been outside in the garden at the back but I need to do more walk. Walking is the best exercise you can possibly do. Yeah. 
Also, when it comes to community, that is something that allows you to participate in things that might be new. Like if you've got a group of friends that you participate with, you can do all sorts of different activities because you've got friends to do it with. How important is, is a sense of community for you, you know, at this point in your life? Well, definitely. We all support each other. You know, at mealtimes, we chat about what's going on. And uh, sometimes we, you know, have a cup of tea to, um, uh, together and... Um, on the social things, and and like today, uh, two of my mealtime friends were, were at the music session, and uh, I played a couple of my pieces that I like, and uh, they they do that themselves sometimes. So we we all ha- help each other as best we can, and uh, uh, another thing I took up um, again was uh, at school I did art, I did a general certificate of education. And I've taken it up, and that's actually my painting on the front. That's impressive. If you were to give people advice when it comes to staying engaged, because you've obviously done a great job of it. I asked you how old you were. I never would have guessed you were 82. What advice would you give somebody listening that says, I want to make sure that I'm staying active and, and staying involved? Yeah. Try to do as much as you can. Try to make as many friends as you can and, uh, you know, talk to them. At meal times, I'm the I'm the stimulus for the conversation. Sometimes people are sitting there, not saying anything, and I'll crack a joke, or um, you know, we we have some good laughs. That's the other thing. We need to laugh a lot. You know, why is it important? You think for people to share their stories, to engage with others, and reflect back on those memories? Well, I, I think it's good to keep conversations going on and relate to other people as much as you can. And uh, sometimes it's difficult, like I say, because you don't have the same interests, but you, you've got to keep trying. I love that. Well, it's great. You have a great sense of humor and you've got amazing stories. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Oh, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. That was good fun. That was Ken Howell. When we return, we'll chat with 97-year-old Madeline Piercy, who shares her history and ongoing sporting accomplishments and why she never stopped moving. You won't want to miss this one. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. I'm here with 97-year-old Madeline Piercy, who besides being an avid sports person, tap dances and walks around the duck pond each day and is a strong advocate for healthy lifestyle. Let's hear Madeline's secrets. Hi, Madeline. Thanks for joining me today. How nice to be here. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, Well, right now I'm 97 and in two months, age of December, I'll be 98. I'm still doing a lot of things that I've always done. Mainly, I started walking, and I was two or three, actually, <laughs> and I have never stopped. do it every day. And I walk from here, Little Dale, to Boring Park, and sit down at the duck pan, walk around it. I also like to lawn bowl, and we're in a tournament right now. And uh, we've got one more game to go. And so far, we've got three out of five games. So tomorrow was last one for me. So I don't know what I'm going to do after that. Well, it sounds like you keep busy regardless. Are you captain of the team for the lawn bowling? Uh, no, I gave up 
that I have been all over Canada in nationals. Myself and Maureen Doyle were played uh, peers. And we started in the 80s here when it started. They said you've been athletic your whole life. You've always been active. Have you always been active since you were a kid? I started at Rennie's River swimming. And Jim Siver was in charge there at the time. And uh, I went to Bor- uh, Manama Park because I lived in the center of the city, just off Lance Hill, Livingstone, and uh, went to Bed Park. And every single day when I was at home, but we had a Bridie Cole who was teaching us how to play ball and how to basketball and you name it. In the wintertime, of course, back in the 30s and 40s, sliding down Carter's Hill, Dang's Hill, <laughs> and we were sli- slipping and sliding down Granny Bates Hill. <laughs> there was no cars. So we didn't have that worry. There's only horses, and in the nighttime, they were gone. <laughs> so you're from downtown St. John's area? Now I'm from Waterford Heights. We've lived there for 59 years. I lived down by St. Joseph's Church in the East End, first when we got married, and my walk was up to Kappa Tower. And down to a little lane down to Lower Battery. I think I know that lane. I do that with my wife all the time. Well, I love that. And it's a hard hike. I did that for years. And then I discovered quite a virus because I was going down there with my children. Then we swam. Used to swim across and back. And we uh, had a little boat, just a robot 10 days. <laughs> I love those stories. And I think that is such an important part. I grew up in a family where my mother was very active. My father was very active. Everybody was, you know, we skied our whole life. My grandparents skied and stuff. My grandfather was a fisherman. What advice do you have to people that are transitioning in different phases of their life? I never changed. Of course, my husband turned out to be very active. But he was more involved in clubs, like he called Bingo for the KFC, and he was a veteran, Second World War. And he he did it for all the legions and stuff like that. And he didn't mind talking. If you had him, you'd you'd have to try to shut him up. I might be related to him. (laughs) (laughs) No, and uh, you know what? In the winters, we skied. And when my husband was in hospital in 21 or 22, I, I went in one day and it was snowing. And he said, if you're looking for your skis, they're in the garage. <laughs> the nurse is not on left. <laughs> so that might be a message for everybody listening, the young people listening too. Did being active so young create this habit? I didn't, never want to stop. I got to love things. We were bowling as in the seniors until the COVID hit. And I gave it up because my husband had a blood condition. I was afraid bringing home to it. So that's when I gave up bowling. And when we started in the league, there was 48 people and my husband took over as 
ahead of us, whatever they call them then is. And uh, when we finished three years ago, there was 170 people in that league. And so it was good for everybody because you get to know people and people like to share little stories and, you know, just holy. <laughs> well, do you think that's part of it? Like when people can be physically active, but also have a sense of community. Like that is a big part of it. Don't isolate yourself. Have your privacy when you need it, but be free to go and enjoy other people. People always want something company. Do you think that being active, playing sports is a way that people can combat loneliness? Because I feel like people are lonely of all ages these days. I feel like the society is getting lonelier. And uh, yes, and it, I find that even though they have all of the stuff they didn't have in my day, all the communication and everything, uh, people are getting older. But... Uh, it's like I said, just keep in touch with the things you've always done and the people you've always known. And it helps. Okay, I'm going to ask you, give me three tips or pieces of advice that you would suggest for people to follow if they wanted to be like you and be active and still moving faster than ever. Well, first of all, they have to find something that they really like doing. And then do it. And if you have somebody that suggests us something, give it a try. And what we're doing uh, here now, we exercise every morning, 11 o'clock. And uh, there's lots of other things we get together for that we wouldn't normally do. So you've got to keep in touch with other people, even though you need your own freedom to do what you want to do and how you want to live, but you still need other people. I love that. I feel like I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> I really do. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your insights and good luck in the rest of your tournament. I hope you take it home. I enjoyed this. <laughs> You're a fine young man. A huge thank you to our wonderful guests today. Thank you to our experts, Silvo and Pamela, and the inspiring residents, Francis, Ken, and Madeline, that I had the pleasure of speaking with. Each view has added a unique perspective to this ever-expanding palette of what it means to age healthily. Remember, whether it's keeping active, eating right, or simply finding joy in everyday activities, the path to aging well is multifaceted and it's deeply personal. I hope today's conversations have inspired you to take a more proactive approach towards your own healthy aging journey. I also wanna say thank you to the residents at Littledale for letting me come by and see the location. It's inspiring to see a residence that promotes well-being and community so well. To find out more, you can visit them at littledale.ca. Well, thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Wall Show on your VOCM.